Welcome to Health Law Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Health law broken down through expert discussion, real client issues, and real life experiences. Breaking barriers to understanding complex healthcare issues is our job. And good morning, everyone. Again, uh, 2022, our first real podcast in 2022. Uh, Conrad Meyer here uh, with Rory Bellina, Chris Martin for another episode of Health Law Talk. Good morning, guys. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And uh, and again today, very interesting topics uh, that we have because things are moving at lightning speed in the healthcare world. Uh, but we're back to COVID vaccine mandates, and and, and specifically the Supreme Court rulings on two different uh, challenges to the COVID vaccine mandates. One was a challenge uh, with respect to uh, the uh, conditions of participation that was issued by CMS and the other one, the, uh, the I guess the more, I guess well-known one because it was all over the news, right guys? The, uh, the OSHA 100 employee uh, mandate. Correct, correct. So I think, you know, those were the two that were, that were challenged. I believe the federal mandate, that one is currently being challenged. So we'll definitely do an update on that um, as that progresses. I believe it's been stayed in some states, but let's jump right in. And I think we could talk first about the CMS mandate. And, right. um, you know, if you're, if you're looking at was it upheld or not, this was the one that was upheld. We're also going to talk about the OSHA private employer mandate. That one was the one that was essentially struck down. So um, like a little bit of a background for this one. So this is the one where um, a, a few states sued that, you know, they named the president in the lawsuit, obviously. It, it, the, the name state was Missouri in this one and also Health of Human Services. This one was all involving CMS. And the, the government's argument was that they were allowed to make a condition of participation, Health and Human Services were, for their, if you were a participating provider as a condition of participation, essentially, and there's a much more details to it, but the broad gist is that as that condition, you would have to mandate your employees in the healthcare setting to be vaccinated. And I know on a previous episode, we talked about, well, who's an employee, who does it apply to, who does it not? We don't have to get into that today, but that was a, a requirement and kind of the, the, we always talked about the carrot and the stick. The stick was that we could yank your condition, you could, your participation from CMS, and, and those dollars would stop flowing to you. But before we get into that, I mean, I think, you know, for those of you who maybe have not listened to the previous podcast, I think it would be important for us to describe what is a condition of participation so our listeners will know why that is so important to especially uh, uh, Medicare, Medicaid participating uh, providers. Yeah, I mean, I can, I'll give the, the definition, but then we could kind of jump into what it right. actually looks like on a day-to-day basis. But it's very broad. I mean, Congress authorized the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Um, basically, they're allowed to do conditions that would requirements as found necessary in the interest of health and safety of individuals who are furnished services in the institution. So what does that mean? So, so in other words, you know, in order to be, in order to see Medicare or Medicaid patients, Providers have to re- have to do certain things. They're required to do that to participate in that. Is that it? Correct. And we're always looking at what those conditions of participation are. I know, Chris, you have a, a few in mind that you can <laughs> describe. I can. Um, well, I mean, the idea, too, just in the way I think about it is the federal government says, look, if we're going to be paying for services, we have the right to, just like sort of our taxing authority, we have the right to say, 
you have to comply with these various requirements in order to get our money. And um, so that's the idea behind uh, part, uh, conditions of participation, such as certain uh, fire and safety requirements. Uh, certain operating rooms have to be a certain size. Um, so there's physical requirements, there's health requirements. And I think the Supreme Court kind of said, this is kind of a no-brainer. If hospitals are supposed to keep people healthy and their employees have the opportunity or the prospect of infecting patients because they're not vaccinated, we have, it's reasonable to uh, require healthcare workers to be vaccinated. And I think in this case, the justification was already there because Congress has already authorized the secretary to impose the conditions. And I'll again quote the language that the secretary finds necessary in the interest of health and safety of individuals who are furnished services. So that's as broad as we want everyone that's in a, a hospital setting to wear gloves when they treat a patient, you know, um, wear head coverings if they're in surgery. It, it, it can get very specific, but it's just very broad health and safety uh, measures. I know, Conrad, you're, you're familiar with those as well. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, this is interesting, Tim, because this is a second bite at the apple that has been taken, you know, at targeted at healthcare workers because OSHA issued its first ETS in June of, of last year, and now we've got CMS coming in on. The, uh, like, if that doesn't work, well, here we're going to make it a condition of participation that you have to have this va this vaccine. Correct. So, uh, I mean, I just it was a double whammy, and 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 I saw when I read the the ruling. It was very interesting because it, it all made sense. For example, I know that, that, that you know, uh, my, my significant other, for example, is, is a healthcare worker. So before she can step foot in the hospitals, they have to have, you know, certain vaccines, certain things done, uh, and, and otherwise they can't walk in. So why not have COVID? And there's protocols in place where if she does surgery or touches a patient, absolutely those those steps as well. And those and universal precautions. You have certain you know and, and how to dispose things, how to store things. And I think some employees, especially in the healthcare setting, might realize, well, that's just my hospital making those rules. It, it's really not. It's coming from the top down yes. as far as those. And those are conditions of participation. And and I think that again, it talks about. So I'm, I'm just I'm reading through the ruling from the Supreme Court and pulling some quotes. You know, one thing it says one of the most pertinent parts here is programs that hospitals must implement to govern the surveillance, prevention, and control of infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. So that's a very broad condition of participation. So surveillance, prevention, and control of infectious diseases. So, so what is that? Like, like a TB test. You have to have your TB test. You have to have your flu vaccine. You know, all those things I know that, that a lot of healthcare workers must have. Correct. So if those are okay, right, if that's okay for, for if it's okay to mandate those vaccines, then why not COVID? And I think that's exactly what the Supreme Court thought. And, and I know we've get the, we get the question, some employees you know, question, why do I have to do this at this at this level? And again, it, it comes from maybe not your hospital system, but it's coming directly from CMS. Interesting. It was it was really I mean, I, I got to tell you, uh, I, when I was watching the or listen, not watching, when I was listening to the hearing and I was listening on this particular one with respect to uh, the CMS ruling. I kept thinking in my head, like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, in other words, the, the arguments that that were against it, I felt 
I mean, it were good arguments, but I didn't think they held water because because of the if you if you can mandate one, why can't you mandate as far as a healthcare worker? And that was actually quoted in the in the Supreme Court decision on this. The really? question came up when asked that oral argument whether the secretary could, using the very same statutory authorities at issues here, require hospital employees to wear gloves, sterilize instruments, wash their hands in a certain way and at certain end of intervals. Missouri, which was the the state essentially that came forward against right, this, right. they answered yes. They said, of course they could. So I felt at that point everyone on the bench probably sat back and thought, well, there we go. There we go. Well, here it is. You know, if, if that's a yes, how is adding another vaccine to the already litany of requirements and vaccinations that healthcare workers have to get? And you, and you know what the sad thing is, I would have I would have felt like a pit in my stomach if I was the lawyer, right, challenging this rule. Because you know you're like okay, I I think I just lost. I, I was I did, I thought substantively uh-huh. that the, that the, this was the right result, but I wasn't sure procedurally that the Supreme Court was going to allow this to go forward because of the notice and comment. The the, the oh, secretary yeah. had avoided the notice and comment, period. and that was that was brought up in the in the dissent. Um, it wasn't brought up in the majority opinion, but that was brought up in the in the dissent, and I believe the dissent had an issue with how that period was shortened. So, mm-hmm. so for the listeners, because I mean we we understand what that means. So, for listeners, notice and comment means that if an agency wants to propose a reg, a regulation, like like for example a vaccine, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, if they want to propose a regulation for a mandate or whatever they want to propose, they have to do a proposed rule, allow a specific amount of time for comment. And then after that, they do a final rule where they've taken the comments into consideration and responded to each of the comments that were submitted. And then after the final rule is ish, is issued, there's usually some sort of a final correction or correction period after that. Is Correct. That, is that the interim wrong? final rule. Yes. So if you if you bypass all of that, right, which is what happened here, then have you procedurally circumvented due process, or I guess whatever that. Whatever. And that was the dissent. That was a big part in the dissent on this on this decision and. It, it's kind of glossed over in the majority opinion, but but the the thought was we have to do this and we right. have to do this fast because in any other industry the healthcare system and setting is the most important thing that gets that that stays operational. It, you know, it, this is not. I'm sure the Supreme Court would never say this, but you know, if a if a retail store had to had to close because all their employees had COVID and and no one could go in and buy the widgets that they sold probably not detrimental to the country but if huge hospital systems have to shut down because they have unvaccinated employees who are spreading or showing more severe symptoms that's a drain on on a much larger area and population as a whole and i think that's why the majority on in this decision was okay with speeding past all the the comment periods right the other argument that that i don't think the majority um, commented too much on was these this origin these original lawsuits i think were brought primarily by rural states that have trouble staffing hospitals. Right. And the argument was, if you mandate this, we're going to have a bunch of healthcare workers quit. And we're going to be in the same fix of not having enough people to actually uh, p- provide services to sick patients. And, and I'm not sure that... It did, did that happen? I mean, have we seen the it was brought up. That comment was brought up in the oral arguments. I remember that they cited some some statistics on how many people they thought would leave the healthcare workforce right. if they were forced to be vaccinated. And I believe I know Justice Breyer was the one who really got deep on this and uh, asked, asked a, 
the, the attorney for health and human services and and they said that you know they have people to replace them or that was the, their position at least mm-hmm. you know i'm wondering if we're going to start seeing the nurses do what the uh, truckers are doing in canada right now and and, and having massive boycotts you know, across the country. And, and you know, it, it, it's tough to tell. I, I think it's so, you know, one thing that, that comes into play is being a nurse or a healthcare provider or a physician, whoever maybe you've spent your life training for this, you know, time, money, re- resources, effort. Um, if this is something you feel strongly about, yes, you're going to walk away. But I think in this case, and this was a little bit hinted on in the oral arguments, if anyone listened to them, it was a little bit hinted on that, that they don't think that those people are really going to want, they think that kind of a bluff almost, that they're really not going to walk away, that they've dedicated their life to health and public service, and they have they knew getting into this that they were required to get vaccines. It's just so, it's just some, that this is one, a new one that, you know, has been very politicized. And they but when's the due date for this? So this is this is upheld. So when when is this supposed to go into effect? Do we know? Do y'all know? I think the first. I, I don't know the answer. I think that. the That's first shot has to be done by middle of February. Okay. And the, okay. And the second shot has to be the complete end. by the middle of March. Got it. Okay. Okay. So they extended the, or they, um, they they redefined those deadlines in light of this opinion That's and, and gave the hospitals more time to comply. Well, hopefully we won't see a, a nursing shortage in the rural areas because I know rural hospitals. Uh, are desperately needed in terms of access, so uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yep. So, like like we said, and, and I'm just going through the dissent. Justice Thomas wrote the dissent on this one, and then there's other dissents written as well. But the majority issue that they had was not really with the actual policy itself. It was more of the procedure, like you mentioned, Chris. Which mm-hmm. I think that that's fair. I mean, that's a way to definitely right. knock down rules that are made. But but I, I mean, you'd have to ask the ask the justices off the record you know did you did you have an issue with the the policy or with the procedure and i think they would probably say we had no issue i'm speculating we had no issue with the policy it was right. it was more of the procedure which is just as you know valuable as a position to take very interesting ruling at least at least it fell in line with a lot of things that i think we would we would have expected so you know yep interesting so, so this one, like like Chris said, the first shot, and that's uh, fairly approaching. And I don't expect to see much more out of this one now. I think that you know think CMS, done, right? Yeah, I mean it's CMS kind of knows their their powers. I think hospital systems know their powers, and 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 this one's done. So I just want to know how they're going to enforce it or look at. I know they, I know hospitals do an attestation, meaning they attest that all their employees are vaccinated. But what do you do? Do you go and say, show me all your, you go to HR and say, give me every employee record and you go through an audit, I guess? I, I, mean, th- I think it's going to become similar to how hospital systems, I know, you know, both of you were with hospital systems, yeah. uh, Chris and Conrad. Um, I, I assume it's going to be, you know, they've got software to track this, but okay, Conrad, does he have his vaccination? And they get a report of the employees that do or don't, and they're going to have to track that just how they have to track did you do your first aid training did you get your annual flu vaccine i think it's just yeah, gonna be gonna one be. thing added to it when when i was at oxner and they mandated um the flu shot they actually put a sticker on your id um oh for the badge on their badge saying yeah. you've been you've had the flu shot so you literally would walk around and you know 
you either back, you know, you either had it or not, but you could somebody could actually see. Maybe they have a sticker that says I'm got my COVID vaccine or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Well, we have another ruling now. We have to go over. I, I mean, I think this is the the bigger. This is the bigger one as far as one. millions of Americans yes. that it affects. Oh, so yes. I believe the estimate was 84 million Americans. But That's right. We're going to take a pivot now and talk about the OSHA private employer one. So. If you're keeping track, this is the one that was struck down as most recently as last week. The government or OSHA removed it from the Federal Register. It kind of just went away overnight. But uh, we want to give some information. So, Chris, I know you want to kick us off on that one. Yes. So, um, you know, this was this was the OSHA um, uh, vaccination mandate that required either all 84 million employees be vaccinated or tested weekly and wear face coverings and there were a lot of other stipulations involved with the the testing that you would have to essentially your employer did not have to pay for the weekly testing they didn't have to give you time off to go get weekly tested this one had a big burden involved and i think the supreme court really weighed in on that and and applied to only employers that had a hundred or more employee employees in the private sector and and you know, the interesting thing about um, this opinion to me was the word they use, they they italicized the word occupational safety like five or six times. That's a, That was a big key phrase. And I remember that even came up in the oral right. arguments and occupational safety. And and the distinction they made there is OSHA OSHA's tasked with ensuring occupational safety, not um, overall public health. Right. And, and one thing that they did, I know that they even brought up what occupational safety looks like. So for anyone that's been regulated by OSHA, I know that both of you had experiences with that, the system, but you know, OSHA, if you're on a construction site, some examples of occupational safety would be, you have to wear a harness. If you're above a certain height, you have hard to hat. wear hard hats, um, you know, work gloves, eye protection, if you're doing certain things. So again, occupational safety, and Chris, what was the, the comment that, that was mentioned in this about bringing this home? There was a big talk about bringing it yes. home by the Supreme Court justices, and they went back and forth. Even in the arguments, because when I listened to the arguments, this was a big deal. About bringing home the vaccine Correct. versus bringing home the hard hat. If y'all want to elaborate on that? Chris. Yeah, it was, it was, the idea was that, a va- here's the quote, a vaccination after all, quote, cannot be undone at the end of the workday. So you can take the hard hat off, you can take the gloves off, you can take the goggles off, but once you're vaccinated, it's it's more permanent. So the justices in this case made a, a kind of a hard line and said, you go to work, you might not want to wear a hard hat, you might not want to wear safety glasses, but you need to do it for to be safe at on work. your job at work. But then as soon as you leave, right. if you don't want to wear a hat anymore or safety glasses, you could take those off because you're not at work. With the vaccine, once it's in you, it's in you. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a far overreach, you know, by OSHA to do this, according to the court, and uh, it it basically said uh, that in all of its existence, it had only made such a demand like this nine previous times, and of those nine, I think a good majority of them were struck down. I think it was yes, they had been challenged six or seven six or times, seven times, and a majority of those only, were struck, and only one had been upheld in full. So, so this was even more of a reach. Uh, to, 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 and I think the quote, like you said, was occupational while you're at work. Correct. It's, it's not a public health agency. It, it, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's job is not to mandate public health. Correct. 
Correct. And, and I thought that was a great analysis. Uh, and I know a lot of people were upset about that. You know, there were a lot of people who were not happy about the ruling, but mm-hmm. I think it was the correct ruling. And, and towards the end of the majority opinion for this one, yeah. Supreme Court kind of gave a little nugget or a little token right. for how OSHA could come back and take another bite at this. If either you want to talk about that in regards to, you know, they talked about physical spacing and requirements. And, and I mean, I am I read it to read, they said, OSHA, this isn't the proper way to do it if you're concerned about COVID. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. So, and, and, I, and I know, Chris, you have it in your hand right there. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the comment was it was a very broadly written, overbroad, and vague rule. Yes. They, they said, they, they discussed, I think, specifically, for example, landscapers. And landscapers who are not inside or not in, in a confined space, you know, does, does it, how, how does that apply to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they went to a meeting once, ever, ever inside, correct, then they would fall under this. Right. So, so the way I read it was, is if OSHA came back and suddenly said, okay, for each individual industry, here's how we're going to apply the COVID vaccine, that in and of itself might be different. That's right. And yeah. I think they also, they mentioned spacing in the oral arguments that came up in it. I think, yeah. it's, Chris, you have the language. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just read it because it's, it's well, well written and it's um, clear. It says, this is not to say that OSHA lacks authority to regulate occupation-specific risks right. related to COVID-19, where the virus poses a special danger because of the particular features of an employee's job or workplace, targeted regulations are plainly permissible. We have no doubt, for example, OSHA could regulate researchers who work with COVID-19 viruses. Mm -hmm. Um, So, too, could OSHA regulate risks associated with working in particularly crowded or cramped environments. Uh, but but just but OSHA's indiscriminate approach fails to account for this crucial distinction uh, between occupational risk and risks more generally and accordingly. The mandate takes on the character of a general public health measure rather than an occupational safety or right. health standard. So some of the commentary that came out after the decision was written, you know, I, I read the commentary based on this as well, and it, a lot of the commentary was that the government thought that OSHA was the right mechanism to reach the most Americans to get this in place. And the Supreme Court said, well, that's correct, but this is too broad. You're, you're making, this is nothing to do with occupational right. hazards. But is it is it really for most Americans? I mean, that, exactly what you said. I mean, it, it, they're taking on the role of public health. Correct. You know, so, are, so I guess the question becomes, are we going to see a new set of regulations set forth by industry at this point? Do you think OSHA is going to come back? I think that if they were to come back, like Chris mentioned and like the Supreme Court mentioned in their opinion, it would need to be industry-specific and so uh, narrowly focused. Narrowly yeah. focused. If you were in a factory of 100 or more people and you are not physically spaced more than six feet, and I, I think if they came back with very strict criteria that gave the industry the option to fix. So let's let's talk about the the example of, of the factory where everyone's on an assembly line very close together. I right. think OSHA can come back and say, it's an occupational hazard. This is my opinion. It's an occupational hazard for employees to be this close together on an assembly line if they're not vaccinated. And if they are, if they're not vaccinated, if they're not masked and weekly tests, but that gives you the option as the owner of the assembly line to add in partitions, to space people out. Is that that is that practical? Probably not. Right. But I think it gives you the option. In this case, there was no option. It was 
vaccinate or weekly test and wear a mask. It didn't give you the option to spread people out or to put up partitions. I think that is what the Supreme Court is saying, OSHA, here's how to go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I could be completely wrong. It, what was what I listened to the oral argument on this, and the, I forget which it was Breyer or Sotomayor or or um, Kagan. They, I think it was it was one of the two lady justices. They kept saying this is not a mandate. They did. They 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 kept on saying they, it was not a mandate. They, you can get, you can wear a mask and test weekly. That was their. They challenge. They kept correcting the lawyers who would say mandate and she would say this is not a mandate you have a choice you don't if you don't want to get vaccinated you can get tested every week that's not a mandate yeah but they shift the risk on the uh, on the employee because now I, the employee is going to pay for it and they got to go every three days i mean it's, it's totally overburdensome totally yeah and, and i'm not going to get even in, i won't even get into the science of whether or not masks work sure. you know, which we all have our own opinions about that sure. and, and plexiglass you know six feet apart if that really makes a difference I mean, you know, and does, does vaccines even prevent you from getting the, right. the virus? So we can't get in there. But, but I agree, you know, that I thought the ruling was the appropriate one because of the broad brush. Well, in the first paragraph of the, of the procurium, it, yeah. it, was, it sort of captured it. It says, OSHA has never before imposed such a mandate. I mean, you don't usually hear the Supreme Court say no, words like that, never, never or always. Not that strong. Then no. the next sentence I thought was even more interesting. Nor has Congress. Yeah. So, so not only you're giving all this power to this regulatory agency that nobody elects, nobody knows, or very few people know. Right. And we haven't, Congress, who's our elected representatives, have never um, passed such a strenuous over, you know, very broad mandate. And those questions did come up in the oral arguments. The more conservative justices that wrote for the majority in this opinion were asking those questions. Right. When has this been done in the past? Give us examples. It hasn't. And That's they the went, thing. It hasn't. Well, they went into the, they had to go into the ones that, that were done, but then that failed that we mentioned. Yeah. I think there were nine, six were challenged, and I think one was upheld. They had to go into that. So it was interesting. I think that that was a big um, factor in the majority decision. Uh, those justices are, are more conservative, but they also like to look and see, has this been done before? You know, is there some sort of precedent for this? the min- minority in here? They were okay with, with doing something new. So we, so I think, you know, we, we've come full circle now on this. I mean, we, we've done podcasts on this topic sure. before. All of us have ta- sat in this room and talked about it. And there's only one left, the federal employee one. Yeah. The, the, the truck driver one is a lot of people deem it that we're waiting to see what right. happens with that. But I, but I guess my question to y'all is, is, is to both of you, is are we going to see this come back at us? So is, is Congress going to say, you know what? Like, 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 like throwing a temper tantrum. You know, I don't like what they did, so here's another one. Or here's oh, the president. You know what, I don't like this, so here's another one. He'll direct an agency to do another one. Are we, we going to have this back and forth between the executive branch versus the agency versus the state AGs, and we're back at the Supremes? My, we're going to shift from health law talk podcast <laughs> to now political talk podcast. Well, I mean, My, well, this, but this, it's, very, this is, it's very applicable. It is. It is very applicable. My personal, unofficial opinion is that uh, CMS, we know a lot. I CM, like same with mine. <laughs> CMS is done. I don't think we see OSHA come back. I think that the Biden administration took a loss on this, right? And midterms are approaching. Um, the, the president's popularity has gone down. I think that it was it would be too much collateral damage. I think they're just gonna 
Lick their, their wounds. Lick their wounds, move on. Hopefully Omicron was one of the last big variants, and I, I think they see that people are more voluntarily getting vaccinated. Um, I think that they're I, – I don't, I don't see the Biden administration pushing for another bite at this apple. That's my – if I had to you, bet on it, right. that would be my and, bet. And if you kind of look at the what, – so what, how the administration has pivoted after these rulings – they now are releasing 500 million masks. They're now making it easier to get vaccinated by, by insurance coverage. Free at-home testing Free. delivered by the post office with the at-home test. I agree. That's kind of how they yeah, changed their tactics. You know where those tests are made, right? Yeah, that's another that's podcast. Another podcast. That's another right. podcast. You know, you know, but that's a really good point, Chris. That they're that they the vaccine challenges. Let's let's say that they're done. They're shifting now to the masking and the testing. Right. That's, a, that's a good. That's a good point. So, what, I mean, are we going to somehow, maybe, hopefully, follow the example of the UK or Denmark and say, you know, enough of this, enough mandate, enough requirement. Let's just live with it and move on, and just you know, that's the way it is. Are I, we? Are we almost I, at that point? Well, I think it kind of depends on the virus to see. I mean, if hopefully these. If there are other variants, they they become less and less potent and less harmful, less fatal. Are we going to run out of letters in the alphabet? Well, we I might. mean, I think we're slowly getting to your point, uh, Conrad. I think we're slowly getting to that part where I think we're slowly getting out of it. We're not getting out of it nearly as fast as anyone wants. Um, you know, whether you like Dr. Fauci or not, his position is that we're still early into this and that we need to meet more more hurdles. Um, you know, some people believe that some people don't, but I think that I think politics is going to play a lot into how quick we get out of this. I think if there's a big shift in the midterms, I think that's going to accelerate us getting out of this faster. And right. I think after the midterms, which are coming up in this, like now we're going to politics, which I do love talking about. It's okay. You know, but, but, but you understand when, when you deal with regulation, you also deal with policy. So correct. You, have, you have no choice. And after the midterms, that's right after the midterms are really midterms are in November. They're sworn in, in I believe January. Right. That's kind of when the presidential election cycle is going to start kicking off. So I right. think, I think that's when, depending on how all of that goes, midterms and who's going to run for so president. So in the interim, no more regulations. Wait to see the midterms. I think the focus right now is going to be on midterms. I think we're really going political talk now. I think the focus is going to be on this the Build Back Better plan of the infrastructure plan that the president is trying to push forward. I think he's over policymaking personally on the vaccine. I think, like Chris mentioned, really good point that I keep going back to is giving out free tests, giving out masks, uh, we're kind of seeing it here on a local level in the right. state of Louisiana. You know, we we all thought our governor was going to re-implement a mask mandate in Louisiana. And every week he comes out and just updates everybody and says, you know, please wear one, please social distance. But I, but I think there's kind of being a shift of, hopefully, no more mandates, but we're going to just have some right. personal responsibility now. Well, I think also people are getting numb to it. I think people are like, you know what, we've, we've kind of had enough. And so uh, well, we're going on two years, two years. And yeah. so uh, and at uh, this point, most people have if you've done your part, if you were going to get vaccinated, you probably would have already done it. by Right. Now. Right. And look, I'm not bashing the whole politic thing. But I mean, when you go when you start talking about healthcare regulation, you can't get away from policy. You can't. And policy involves politics. Correct. So, you know. You know, I know normally we try to avoid the long, drawn-out political discussions on the show, but I think in this particular case, because of the 
re- continued recurrence and the importance of the Supreme Court rulings, I think it was it was necessary. The other, you know, the the last thing on on just on the Supreme Court was yeah. to me. I mean, it was very interesting how quickly the Supreme Court acted. They don't, you know, don't typically. Here um, cases that here fast. cases that right. fast, and they and then they issue the written ruling. I mean, that was to, to hear quick. The, to hear the argument. I think two and, weeks or a week and a half. Maybe? Not even that. I mean, I'm sure they were writing it right after they left the bench. Yeah. It was very fast. So it was extremely fast. Yeah, wow. I think a lot of it. Like I said, I think there's a bigger political angle. In all but you of know this. what? Good, good for the Supreme Court for for you know what? It settled the issue, Chris. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good for the Supreme Court to recognize that we, you know, we have a challenge clear here to to review. Uh, we, this is going to set the direction of the country, and they did it quickly and thoroughly. And the, and it, I know we're we're kind of going backwards now, but what was the vote on the CMS? Was it five to four? I believe with, I believe it was five to four with Kavanaugh possibly in the majority on this one, or was it? I don't remember Roberts, but it, it was close. It was what close. Was it, was it an OSHA six three? Was I think OSHA was six, six to three, three right. with the conserv- all the conservative justices right. voting in favor, but. But I, I believe it was Kavanaugh that voted with the more liberal justices on the on the uh, CMS mandate, which I thought was, was interesting. interesting. But right. but at least you know that's what they're there for, and he he thought that it it met the requirements. So and we're gonna have a new justice this summer. So we'll we'll see what happens. We're gonna see that. how that goes down. All right, guys, that was a great episode here. Uh, we really appreciate everybody listening to the show. Uh, that was another episode, the first 22, uh, 2022 episode of Health Law Talk with Shahardi Sherman Williams. Please make sure you subscribe to our channel. And if you have any comments or feedback or if you have any topics you want us to discuss, please make sure you drop us an email. We always look forward to uh, comments and, and suggestions. So with that being said, look forward to another podcast coming out soon, headed your way on Health Law Talk. Thanks for listening to this episode of Health Law Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel. Make sure to give us that five-star rating and share with your friends. Shahardi Sherman Williams is providing this podcast as a public service. This podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal advice, nor does this podcast establish an attorney-client relationship. Reference to any specific product or entity does not count as an endorsement or recommendation by Shahardi Sherman Williams. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and their appearance does not imply an endorsement of them or their entity that they represent. Remember, please consult an attorney for your specific legal issues.